Even when you try to maintain a healthy diet, it can be tough to get all of the nutrients you need for long-term health. Care of makes it super easy and even fun to figure out what vitamins and supplements are best for your diet and lifestyle. Go to takecareof.com and take a short quiz to get your personalized vitamin recommendation. Use offer code AMR at checkout for 50% off your first month of vitamins. Welcome to another Mother Runner. This is Sarah in Portland. This is Dimity in Denver. And um, so Sarah, you're in Portland temporarily, but where will you be on a f- in about, oh gosh, less than 12 hours? I'm going to Disney World. <laughs> Sarah Bowen Shea, you are a mother runner and you are going to Disney World. You don't, you know what? If you're a mother runner, you don't have to win the Super Bowl or the World Series or the World Cup. You just get to go, man. Oh, yep, yep. You just get to go. You just get to take a red eye, <laughs> change planes in Houston. <laughs> oh, I'm so looking You're forward. You're getting the VIP treatment, right? And you're probably going to be in a middle seat in that last row. <laughs> oh, I'm right, back, right, back by the right restrooms. That doesn't, you know, so it doesn't recline. Mm-hmm. So it's you really... get that nice crick in your neck where you're like trying to sleep. <laughs> it's all yeah. going to be so well, I much bought, fun. I got to tell you, I bought the nerdiest thing ever on our last two flights ago because I was just like enough already. I bought a neck pillow, but it is not like... Your run of the mill, like, you know, kind of faux turtleneck neck pillow. Like, this thing is like, I was injured in a car accident and now I want to claim $60,000 in damages. So, you know, it goes all the way up to to your chin almost. It is, it is extremely unflattering, but let me tell you, man, it is comfortable. And really? I'm just like, yeah. I mean, it's, it's a little, it's a little straight jackety, but. I mean, you know, having had problems with my neck and my shoulders and stuff, like I'd rather have that support. I mean, especially when you get to start doing that like neck bob thing, you know, you're kind of half drooling, half in and out of consciousness and you you bob it over. You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. And then, then you, it's like, how many times can you sort of fall asleep and have your head jerk you awake? <laughs> oh, I know. Right. Oh, and it's just it's so painful because then I'm pissed because it. I'm I'm back awake again and I'm mad that I'm not in my bed falling asleep and uh-huh. All that. So, and um, then your glute hurts, and then you realize maybe you really do have to pee. But gosh, you can't wake up these people seated next to you, and people that are truly asleep. You can't just like they're just not head bobbing; they're truly asleep. So. Oh, or the people who snore on planes. What is oh. up with that? <laughs> Particularly, I was on the. Where were we going uh, when we were going to Phoenix? So it was during the day. It was not at night by any stretch of the imagination. There was a dude a couple rows back just sawn logs like the greatest <laughs> lumberjack that ever lived. I, it was, I mean, it was embarrassing. Oh, Everybody God. was talking about it. Um, and then he's, well, I mean, he's he's asleep. I mean, he's not really conscious that he's doing that. I have to say, and I I sound like my mother a little bit, but I feel like people lose their manners when they fly these days. Like, <laughs> I mean, I was I think I was going to Phoenix too. I mean, the woman across from me was like mainlining pistachios. Like <laughs> you just, you just would not ever see, you know, anybody, if you were at a dinner table, you would never eat that way. You know, I mean, it was just in, 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 in. And she was putting her um, shells in her sunglass case, which I thought was kind of ingenious. You know, that was like one of those clamshell cases. Mm-hmm. So it would actually stay shut. Uh-huh. But I, you know, and just kind of chomping and her, you know, and I was just like, 
wow, really? You know, and I'm so sensitive to noise. To you know, noise. This is, it was before the uh, the plane took off, you know, so you didn't have that kind of white noise thing going on. And of course, I'd left my, you know, $400 Bose headphones that I don't own um, at home. <laughs> the noise canceling ones. So um, anyway, I, instead, I buy the, the straight jet the straight jacket pillows. Yeah, um, yeah. Oh. That's what I used to spend my money on. But anyway, you're going to land in Florida. I'm going to head out tomorrow and we get to go to Disney World. Oh, I know. Right? I know. I know. And uh, and now it's warm there after their cold snap last weekend, which would have just been so atrocious if we had stood around at the start of Disney Princess in 30-something degree weather. But instead, I think I saw that it's going to be a low of 66. So I am... I think I can actually stand outside at 4.30 a.m. if it's going to only be 66 degrees or be 60, all of 66 degrees. So, Well, and it's 4.30 a.m. in Florida, but in, in your lovely Portlandia, it's how, how what it's time? It's 1.30. I have, been, I have been, okay, so we've known uh, and been looking forward to going to Disney Princess for eons. But along with that excitement and anticipation, there's been the dread, I will admit, of getting up so early because... So we are staying at the Animal Kingdom Lodge, and uh, so and we get a VIP. Uh, since we're speaking at the at the expo, we are considered VIPs. They, haha, we we fooled them, didn't we, Dimity? Um, <laughs> uh, you tell that to yourself at Houston at four a.m. That we're VIPs. Yeah. Um, so um, so the VIP shuttle is going to pick us up at three forty-five a.m. Florida time, and then they have. Um, they have VIP breakfast. Uh, you know, there's like this VIP room where we can go and the other VIPs like Jeff Galway and stuff can go and get food. <laughs> and I think I told you, I was looking at the schedule and the VIP breakfast that morning is from 1 a.m. to 3.15 a.m. It's like... Oh, my <laughs> lordy child. Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, no. And I've also said, you know, I am like all about the going to the bathroom before, you know, clearing the chute, let's say, before a race. Yeah. I am not... There's just... My body's going to be like, <laughs> nope, nothing here, Sarah. I got nothing no, to give no, you. I am shutting down. You are totally... You've totally screwed me over. <laughs> I've done, taken a red eye and now I'm three time zones ahead of myself and you expect me... To clear the shoot. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, it's definitely not going to happen. So I'm just not even got fret about it because I think I told you the other day. I mean, do you ever wake up in the middle of the night and poop? No. I mean, so come on, it's the equivalent of that. TMI, TMI. Um, so I mean, the thing about it is, and actually, you know, here's a little TMI is is, is what we found at the Disneyland. Um, half marathon that we were lucky to be at last year over Labor Day is that Disney races are just a really, really different vibe. And um, certainly, yes, if you're going to, you know, go fast, go for it. But it, that's not really what it's about. Um, it's really because, I mean, I did spend some time in the porta potty at the half marathon um, because I, I was, my body was shutting down as well or shutting up or something like that. Um, but I mean, you know, I know that, I mean, I stopped and took a bunch of pictures. You know, I got my picture with like, uh, I think it was a Jedi. It was some Star Wars character that I thought Ben would be impressed with. And he was kind of like, oh, yeah, cool, mom. <laughs> um, and uh, and a donkey, of course, that came up to about my knees. And um, what else did I do? Uh, with the toy uh, soldiers, the best picture ever. I the toy soldiers. That was cool. That was very cool. And then, um, and they were funny, too. They were in a Jeep and kind of barking orders. Um, they had a, you know, a megaphone. They were good. Um, but so the Disney race, I mean, you know, especially – it's just, it's about the experience. And so, um, so, I mean, yes, it will, it will, it will be a little, 
troubling if you're not exactly feeling like you're ready to run, but it's not like you're going to try and qualify for Boston, you know? Oh, yeah. 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 So um, there is a part of me so that we um, are running, or I should say I am running with um, the women who won our contest that we gave away uh, two women. We chose two women um, who entered to get a free entry to Disney princess. And so that's Amy and Krista and Amy is running with me and Krista was supposed to run with you. And then we also have our assistant, um, with us, Kristen, who's running it. And, um, so Amy had wanted to run a sub two hour half. And then I was like, I kind of talked her down. I was like, Oh, we want to take pictures and that would be kind of tough, but there is still a tiny part of me that would like to bust a move in between the pictures. So, (laughs) You could probably do that. I mean, the thing about it is with the pictures, what I figured out um, and why I have pictures of like donkeys and toy soldiers and not, you know, Snow White and Jasmine and all the popular um, Disney things is I just went to the, I just got my pictures taken with people who weren't, that didn't have lines. So, Mm -hmm. or very, very short lines, like one or two people waiting for it. So I would just, you know, step in, go, you know, and quickly go. So, I mean, that's an option, you know, or get them, you know, kind of front load them a little bit. (laughs) And and especially because we are, um, you know, all VIP, um, you know, we might, you might be able to start in the first corral and then, and then you will be up towards the front as far as being in line for the pictures. That's one thing I had. Yeah, we will be in the, uh, they gave us the option to be in the first corral. And I think maybe even our time puts us in the first corral. So, um, yes, we, we are there and, um, yeah. So, but then it'd be kind of a little funny. It would be like a interval workout or something. It's like, come on, Amy, we're running really fast. Oh, look, there's Cinderella. Let's stop. Okay. Picture, picture, go. Um, exactly. Well, I think Krista's going to run with you. I'm really bummed. Um, Krista wrote a really nice, um, comment in my pictures because she is another tall mother runner and, and kind of has related to me talking about always being the tallest person, you know, in the room or at the mall or in the school or whatever. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm bummed, but I, you know, I, I emailed my coach, I have this, you know, small fracture in my foot and I emailed her and I was like, are we sure I can't do Sunday? And she's like, yeah, I'm sure. So, mm-hmm. um, so I'm playing it safe and being smart. Um, but I will be cheering for you guys, mm-hmm. um, all along the way. Yeah. 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 So, um, and we're also very, very excited, perhaps most excited to be meeting a bunch of mother runners from all around the U S and from Canada. And I'm sure from some other countries as well, um, at the expo. And, um, I guess by the time we, uh, people hear this, we will have already met them. Well, that's kind of crazy time warpy thing to think about. Um, but so, um, so those mother runners we have, um, in the spirit of that, we have questions from other mother runners that we, uh, we admit we gathered them on Facebook, oh gosh, last summer, last fall, um, something like that. But uh, we're pretty sure that there's other gals wondering the same things. So yeah, we're hoping your problems are resolved at this point, that you're not waiting for us to answer them. <laughs> but everyone loves a good, good advice column, right? I mean, it was funny. I was in Starbucks this morning um, waiting for something and I was like and uh, reading the Denver Post. And of course, like the first section I go to is like, you know, the variety section that has the Dear Anne in it. Mm-hmm. So we, we all love a vicarious situation, right? Can I tell you a, a little side note to that, that uh, yeah. my... Um, I finished college a semester early specifically so that I could be an intern at 17 magazine, which had been my dream, dream, dream growing up. Um, back then it was actually a really fine magazine. And, um, so I lived in my parents' house and I was, my siblings had already, um, were either in college or had graduated. And so, uh, part of my responsibilities as an intern was answering these, uh, the letters that some of the readers would send in and, oh my gosh, like, (laughs) 
um, I think I've mentioned this before, but there was, um, in one day we got two poems written to Brian Boitano, the, oh. <laughs> <laughs> because it was during the 1988, um, Olympics. And I just, was, even then, even as a high school, uh, college senior, I'm like, Oh honey, he doesn't like yeah. you. Doesn't he, doesn't he play for the opposite team? <laughs> he, does, he skates for the other team. Um, <laughs> so uh, anyway, so, but I, my, my parents definitely loved it. My mother used to work in magazines and my parents both worked in New York city. So they loved hearing my tales that I would, you know, then go home to Connecticut and tell them about life in New York and at the magazine and everything and all these letters that I was answering. And so my mother uh, would always call me, um, dear miss lonely heart, because I guess there's some book bu- novel or yeah. something. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, I've definitely heard that phrase before, but yeah. I mean, that's something to look up. Yeah. Um, okay, let's start. Let's start with the questions. I'm going to, I'm going to do the first one. So we've got something, a uh, question from Nicole. Um, I'm just coming back to running after rehabbing a tibial stress fracture after a marathon. Luckily it was quote unquote minor and healed in just over four weeks. Do I have to follow the orthos, the, the doctor's walk run plan, which takes up to six weeks to get running 30 minutes at a time. So six weeks to get to 30 minutes straight of running. Or can I do a quote-unquote real runner's plan and just run every other day, increasing my mileage slowly with no speed work or long runs for a few weeks? Uh, um, Dimity, I, I think this question is all you. So I, I, I've been in this situation, gosh, you know, plenty of times. And um, so this is what I would say, Nicole. I would do kind of um, a little bit of a combination. I think six weeks to get to 30 minutes of running um, – after you've run a marathon is probably a little bit um, conservative. It sounds, it sounds like you wanted to get back quicker than that, but I really, really caution you to not just um, or caution anybody to not just jump in too fast, too far, too hard. I mean, that's how you get injured. Those are the kind of the twos you go too fast, you go too far or, um, or you go too much. Um, so, I mean, what I do usually when I'm coming back from an injury is I, um, I do a one walk pattern and, um, you know, the first day I might go out and in coming back from an injury, like where I've been in a boot for eight weeks, or I haven't been able to run for, you know, eight weeks or something like that. Like when I had the, um, stuff with my uterus, which I can't remember, oh, my fibroid uterus thing. Um, <laughs> last year, you know, when I, when I really, when I'm really coming back from a, a pretty much ground zero is, um, you know, go out for anywhere from 20 to 30 minutes and make it a walk run combo, you know, and it might be running for one minute and walking for three. Um, and, you know, repeating that five times or, you know, six times. Um, and, uh, and it's, it's humbling for sure. Um, and then, you know, and then you kind of figure out where you are and, and where you want to be. And, and again, just go conservative, you know, so that's two weeks. And I really do stick to two weeks of walking and running, even if you're ready to go for half an hour or you think you are, and then just building slowly. Um, and so, like she said, like, so maybe I would try and run for 20 minutes, you know, walk for five, run for 10 or something like that. Um, just, I guess. Yeah. So, I mean, just let, let, let you, let, um, common sense be your guide, I guess, is the best way to say that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it sounds like uh, rain in your horses when, when the, you know, you're feeling, you're all excited to be out there and finally back to our beloved sport. And it's, you know, you do have to, to rein it in some from what you absolutely. really want to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and absolutely. She says no speed work or no long runs. I mean, that's, that's, that is a given in my world. Of course, no long runs and no speed work. I mean, and kind of my rule of thumb, you know, is that, I want to be able to run for 60 minutes, you know, 
more or less at just a decent pace, you know, with maybe a couple walk breaks in there if I need it, but not long ones before I start thinking about, okay, can I take it? You know, I usually just say that's six miles. I just say, you know, 60 minutes, six miles, Mm -hmm. um, you know, before I want to say, okay, can I run seven? Can I run eight? Should I put in some tempo stuff? Like, I feel like that 60 minute um, is a really good benchmark to kind of say, okay, I've got a solid foundation. Now I can build off of that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so for the next question there, it's kind of two people ask somewhat the same question. So I combine them. Um, so Letty asks, when do you know you're ready to go for it? I mean the 26.2. And then Alyssa asks, what kind of base should you have before marathon training? I ran Twin Cities last year, my first and I'm running it again this fall, which would have been last year. Um, last year was definite a just finish, but this year I am already much stronger and want to improve. I run between 25 to it's about 25 miles a week. Um, so I looked up in Train Like a Mother uh, and that we have a physical prereq for each race plan. And um, for the um, Talam Marathon Finish It Plan, we advise mother runners – uh, to have logged at least nine to 12 months of consistent running along with some race experience before you take on the big kahuna of a marathon. Um, and certainly, you know, Dimity, you and I have met over the the years, we've met some gals whose first ever starting line was a 26.2, but um, we, we, we don't advise that. We don't stand behind that. So, um, well, yeah, because I mean, there's so much to be learned. I mean, so, so nine to 12 months of consistent running, um, is, you know, that's a year, you know, and that's not that much, especially when you're going to try and take on a, a pretty big race, a pretty big, um, it's pretty ambitious, a marathon is. And so, um, so, I mean, the thing about it is, is when you run consistently for a year and Letty, I recognize your name. And if you're mm-hmm. listening, I know that you've probably been running for more than a year. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just want to go back because, um, we had a question on our Facebook page a couple of days ago about somebody who was flirting with the idea of a marathon and she'd done a couple half marathons and, you know, and so if you have that idea percolating in your head and you have, you know, some good experience. As- Since 2011, BarkBox has been committed to making dogs happy. For humans, BarkBox is a delivery of four to six natural treats and super fun toys curated around a surprise theme each month. For dogs, BarkBox is like the joy of a million belly scratches. BarkBoxes include all-natural treats and innovative toys to match a dog's unique needs, including allergies and heavy chewer preferences. Not a phrase I say every day. Dimity's dog Mason, an energetic Weimaraner, is eagerly awaiting his first BarkBox. Dimity let BarkBox know the breed, size, and even name of her dog, as well as the all-important chewing preferences. And now, on the 15th of each month, a new box will get shipped to Mason. Each monthly box is themed, like Country Fair or Brooklyn Hipster, with new and unique toys to keep dogs engaged, interested, and happy. If your pooch doesn't like something in the box, BarkBox promises to send something they'll love for free, because BarkBox is all about dog happiness. Choose a plan. One, six, or 12-month plans are available. Cancel any time. Free shipping in the continental U.S. For a free extra month when you subscribe to a six- or 12-month plan of BarkBox, visit BarkBox.com slash AMR. That's BarkBox.com slash AMR. Woof! Thanks to StoryWorth for supporting our podcast. StoryWorth is a subscription service started by a fellow who wanted families to be able to share their memories and anecdotes with each other. Here's how it works. Purchase a StoryWorth subscription for someone you love, and each week, StoryWorth sends that loved one an email with a question about his or her life. The person either replies with his or her story via email or records it by phone by calling a StoryWorth number. After a year, the stories are bound in a lovely hardcover keepsake book. 
My husband Jack and I gifted StoryWorth to his dad, and we're especially looking forward to hearing his tales about going to medical school in Dublin, Ireland, which is where Jack was born and spent the first four years of his life. Then we'll share the book with Jack's siblings. For $20 off, visit StoryWorth.com AMR when you subscribe. That's StoryWorth.com AMR. As a runner, then, then, you know, and if you can make it work, I mean, the biggest problem with marathon training is the schedule. You know, the race, yes, is challenging and you know, it's, it's a, it's a great day. It's a tough day, but it's, it's worth it. But it's, it's the, you know, three to four months leading up to it where you are out every Saturday or every Sunday or whatever day your long run is, you know, getting in, being out there for two and a half, three and a half, four hours, getting your body used to being in motion and the pounding for that long. And I mean, it takes its toll on you for sure. It definitely um, wears you down physically. It can wear you down like emotionally, mentally, patience-wise, all that. So, I mean, if you're starting a new job or your husband is starting a new job or, you know, you're moving or you've got some big life thing going on, you're going through a divorce or whatever, I would say it's probably not the right time to to take something on just because it is, it's like a, it's almost like another job, you know? It is. And also, uh, you mentioned it takes a toll on your body. I mean, it takes a toll on your family as well. And that, that um, we've said it here before, you know, you really have to have buy-in from your whole whole family or your whole support system, whoever that might be to, to undertake a, a marathon. And also that, that for your first marathon, um, you should not be coming, coming off straight off an injury, um, sort of thinking back to Nicole's question. Um, and you know, you don't want to start training for your first marathon when your ba- first baby's like, you know, two months old or something like that. Um, you know, I did my, I guess my third marathon when Phoebe, my first baby was, 14 months old. So I started training, I guess, when she was, I don't know, nine, nine months old, something like that. And that seemed, um, very reasonable at the time. Uh, I don't now, know. now it feels really hard, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> that's, how old, that's how old Ben was when we started the training for the Nike women's in San Francisco, where he was around there. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I can't even believe I did that. But I, when you're th- <laughs> sometimes it's like when you're th- in the thick of things, it doesn't seem as hard as it, when you're looking back on it, or if you're looking at, oh. you know, outside looking in. I think that all the time I think about, I'm like, I left Jack alone with all three kids, you know, like with the twins at, at, I don't know. So they were, I don't know, 14 months, 15 months old when I ran. Is that right? When I ran Nike women's, no, they were two. That was about that old. Yeah. They were two and about three months, two years and three months. But I mean, they were like such a handful. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> so, so like I said, you have to have everybody on board with it and, and make sure that it's not going to cause too many ripples in the home life and the work life and, and all that stuff. And, and, um, I mean the, the one other caveat we give in train like a mother is that you should be able to, um, cover eight to 10 miles at one time before you start embarking on marathon training. So, um, you know, if your longest run right now is five miles, you know, build up, do another half marathon before you, you take on a, a marathon. Cause, um, uh, what, one thing I'd like to say is, is that a marathon, despite the simple math is not just twice a half marathon. Um, no. it, it is something happens in that, you know, the, the 18 to 20 mile range that like, Hmm, this is a totally different animal than anything else I've ever experienced. Exactly. Exactly. And just going, circling back to Alyssa's question, she wanted to know what kind of base, um, you, she needs, especially if she wants to do something that's a little bit more, um, ambitious. And I think 20 to 25 miles a week is, is great. I mean, if you can run that consistently and not get injured, 
Um, I mean, you're ready to launch, especially for the the train like a mother own it plan. Um, I mean, that's a, that's a really uh, strong strong base to launch from. So yeah, I mean, that's my that's my typical base um, around twenty five to thirty. So yeah, that is I concur with your assessment of that, Dimity. There we go. Yeah. Um, okay. So the next question is from Lauren. I am scheduled to do a long training run on the same day as a favorite half marathon. What do you think about adding miles before or after a race to turn into a longer training run? What are the pros and cons? So again, she's got a long training run. There's a race that day and she wants to kind of do the race and then tack on miles on either side. Yeah. And, um, I'm, uh, I'm the expert in this cause I have definitely had experience that and I'm going to be experiencing that this Sunday cause I am following the train like a mother marathon own it plan to race the Vancouver marathon on May 5th. And the training plan calls for 16 miles with 10 at race pace. And so Molly, um, my pal that's riding the race with me, she's like, Oh, are you going to, you know, add on three miles? And I'm like, Mm, no, <laughs> just because, um, you know, one, I'm not going to get up at midnight to do those extra three miles and, um, bad actually, let's just, let's just call it what it is. Right. And then, I mean, there's a, I, I had contemplated running back to our hotel, which I guess I still could, but it turns out our hotel, is like 6.5 miles from the finish line. So I'm like, Hmm, okay. That would make for almost a 20 miler. So I think, um, but in the past, I had last year training for Boston. I my training plan did call for twenty miles one day, and I was racing a half marathon that day. Um, so I trotted down to the start line, which is about three miles away, raced the half, and then ran very slowly back to the back home after you know, like kind of refueling at the post race party. So um, it's it's completely doable. I think it depends somewhat on, you know, the logistics and that sort of thing. Yeah. And I mean, I think the, the biggest thing is, um, is to make sure that you, you stay in the training mindset and not the racing mindset. Um, you know, it's really easy if you get to the start. So, so say you do this half marathon, Lauren, and, um, and you're supposed to do say 17 miles a day or 20, you know, make it even harder. So you're supposed to do 20, you know, and so you get, you know, you get into the half marathon and those are your first 13.1 miles and everybody takes off too fast because that's what everyone does at races and you follow because that's just kind of the mentality that, that the momentum carries you. And, um, and all of a sudden you're not running at your training pace, you're running at a racing pace, which there's nothing wrong with that, but that, you know, 13 miles at race pace versus 13 miles plus seven at, um, at training paces are two different things. And so, um, I mean, if I would really like, you know, say, okay, I'm going to stick to this pace, you know, this is the pace that I run when I am training by myself or training with my group pals. And I'm going to, you know, I don't care what it feels like I'm being left behind. I'm just going to make sure that I maintain this pace. Um, or if you want to kick it up a notch and race it, then you can cut miles off the backside, you know? So I would probably, if I was, going to race the half marathon, I'd probably do that. And then like you did, Sarah, like do an easy three and call it good at 16 instead of doing 20. Mm -hmm. Um, You also have to remember, um, Lauren, that you're not going into the half with a taper, you know? Yeah. You might've dialed down some of your workouts leading into it, but you're, you know, you're right in the thick of a training schedule. So it's tough to, to bust a true move in that half marathon. So I think mentally just be a little bit prepared for that. And, and, um, as Dimity said, approach it in a slightly different manner than you would, um, 
and you know, so this is her favorite half marathon. So I'm assuming then that Lauren has run it a couple times. So don't expect maybe to to match your you know your 2012 race time or one you've done in the past before then. Exactly, exactly. Well, that's a good. Um, I'm actually going to do this, Sarah, um, because I'm trying to figure out my schedule. It's really hard for Ironman. I want to get like at least one race in before, but mm-hmm. because the race is in it's June 23rd. Um, there aren't a lot of triathlons before that. I mean, there's some in Texas. There's one I was really kind of playing with the idea of going to Oceanside, California and racing there. But it's just, you know, I, I kind of need to make sure we have food in the fridge and, you know, some uh, some money coming. A triathlon is an expensive sport and I can't, you know, it's hard to justify you know, the, the California race is over spring break. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to take the kids with me to Coeur d'Alene. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave you home over spring break and go do a race by myself. And then I'm going to leave you again. You know, like, I just feel like that's a little, I, I only have so many. And then you're going to go away to all these mother runner uh, parties that we're having and, and other expos yeah. that we're going to. So um, what was your name again? Small people who live in my house. <laughs> <laughs> who who uh, whine at me all the time. Um, so, uh, so yeah, so um, I found a race yesterday. It's in Grand Junction, which is a five hour drive from here. And it's, um, they have uh, a half Ironman. Um, oh. It's like May 17th, which is one of the few weekends that I don't have something going on. <laughs> and so, um, yeah, I mean, that's going to kind of be my last, one of my last really big training days. And and um, and my coach said, you know, you make sure that you're, you know, you're going to race tired. Like, don't think that you're going to go in and rip it up because um, that's not the point. So, um, so I'll just have to remind myself of it when I'm, um, when I'm, you know. Back in the pack. Exactly. Well, yeah. yeah. Where do you where do you swim in in that part of the world uh, in in May? Oh, a lake. Wow. It'll be a lake. Well, I mean, Coeur d'Alene is going to be freezing with a capital F. Um, I mean, Coeur d'Alene. I've heard anywhere from I want to. I don't. I don't want to give a temperature because I don't know for sure. But I do know that you wear a full wetsuit. Oh. People wear neoprene caps, oh. like over or I guess under their regular swim caps and booties because your feet get so cold. And so when you get out of the water, you know, you're, um, to get on the bike, if you can't feel your feet, that that's a little troubling. So <laughs> just, a, it's just a little, uh-huh. yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it's definitely a cold, a cold race. I mean, I prefer that over heat or any day. Um, cause you know, I can generate my own heat. This <laughs> <laughs> from a woman who is always cold. <laughs> I know, I know. Um, but uh, yeah, so so it'll be cold. But I mean, it's it's good practice. I mean, the main thing that she wants me to to figure out is like making sure that I have enough nutrition, like you know, kind of being in that race situation because it is so different than a training day. You know, where you're like, oh, I'll just stop and eat this gel. You know, or mm-hmm. I'll you know stop and tie my shoe and change my music and you know whatever you do, like you it's hard to embrace that mentality in a race, right? You don't yeah. do that. You've got to keep moving, moving, moving. And so, um, so yeah. So, I mean, we talked about me doing like a race simulation, you know, and just kind of lining up a whole bunch of pals oh, to I'd run with me. And I mean, I, I would do that. And, it, you know, if it comes to that, I'll do that, you know, but, um, but I think that this grand junction race is a good, Oh, I think I it's a great was, option. Was, yeah. Yeah. A couple of weeks earlier, but it'll be okay. Yeah, no, it'll be very okay. But so, so that idea of being um, perhaps left behind in a race is um, related to our last question of this, which is from Carolyn, who says, I'm a bit heavy and my other mother runner friends are smaller than, than I am. How can I learn to accept my size and my speed, bigger and slower, knowing I'll always bring up the rear? Oh, 
hit me with a tough one. The last question of the day, Sarah, <laughs> um, I think it's easier to solve world peace actually than it is to, um, not solve world peace, find world peace, maybe solve the world's problems. Um, so Carolyn, so here's the deal about running and it's really hard to embrace when it doesn't come naturally to you and you, you are just naturally kind of a mid to back of Packer is that you have to run for yourself. You can't run for anybody else. You can't run to compare yourself to your little petite friends. I mean, yeah, I'm not, um, you know, a heavy person, but I'm also not a light person and I've never been able to, you know, I mean, it's a sport that favors the toothpicks of the world. Like that's just the reality of it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I I've said this before in the podcast, but, and I've said it a gazillion times, but I mean, when we met Dina Castor, I mean, her legs are the size of my arms and that is not of your, of your forearms. I mean, seriously, like my biceps are bigger than her thighs without, without a lie. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, so that's, so that's, you know, so that's the reality of the sport is that it just, it favors very light, efficient, fast people. Um, but you know, have other mother runner friends that have real life bodies and sure they might be a little bit lighter than you and they might be a little bit faster than you, but you know, the minute that you try to start comparing yourself to them, um, it's just, it's just going to defeat you. And that's really not what we see as the benefit of running. I mean, we feel like running is such a important thing to do just for yourself to find your own confidence and your own strength and set your own goals and see what you yourself are capable of. If you can push yourself a little bit harder than you did yesterday, if you can go five minutes faster um, in a half marathon than you were able to go last year. I mean, that's that's really the victory and the beauty of running um, and trying to embrace that place is it's hard. I, I, you know, it's hard and it's hard when you see, you know, those pages of results and you're scrolling down and you're like, okay, how big was my age group? <laughs> where, the, where the heck is my name? You know? Uh-huh. Um, and that's, and that's, it can be really hard. So, but you know, you kind of, you know, there is no easy answer except for that. You just kind of have to become this peaceful place. Like this is for me and this is what I'm doing for myself. Yeah. I also think, um, that's one of the many, many reasons why we love women's races is because I think that, I think that a lot of that pressure gets taken off and that, um, so I think it oftentimes in a co-ed race, it's like, not only are there the toothpick women, but then there's a bunch of scrawny guys and, and even sometimes the, the guys who don't look anything like a runner are still ahead of you in a race. And so by a women's race, you know, at a women's race, you see so many different body shapes. There's so much acceptance and embracing of all the runners and just, um, sure, you know, people still keep their eye on the clock, but I just think there's a different vibe that is much more accepting. Yeah. And we all push each other across the finish line. It's, it's a different atmosphere. Yeah. I mean, and, and, um, two other things I want to add is, you know, I, I remember once reading a, a quote from Ryan Hall, I think it was in your um, favorite publication, Sarah, the New York Times, where he was talking about um, how much re- respect he has for for the back of the pack runners. He's like, you know, I can rip off a marathon and two whatever he can do it in. Like you're out there for five, six, seven hours, whatever it takes you. Like that is a really, really hard day. You know, it's you know, it comes naturally to him and. So, I mean, and, 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 and hold on, I want to add something because even uh, going back to our own gender, I remember one time when I was interviewing Kara Goucher, she was saying that 
forget what race it was, but before a half marathon, she didn't pee and that she had to pee for the whole time. But, you know, for Kara, that means she had to pee for, I don't know what, you know, an hour, 10. Yeah. Something like that. Yeah. I mean, and so, but you know, whereas you and I'd be like, Oh yeah, I don't think I can hold it for two hours and 10 minutes. So she was saying that like, yeah, the same thing that Ryan was saying that she has such respect for people who are out there running for so much longer. Well, yeah. And that's, I mean, and that's how I got drawn into the whole world of running. I mean, was watching the New York city marathon, you know, um, the first year I watched from the sidelines and you see those people that don't look like quote unquote natural runners and holy cow, the, my respect for them just skyrockets. I mean, mm-hmm. my respect for all runners is huge, but for women who are, you know, maybe not like the stereotypical runner body. I mean, my gosh, like just, just, I mean, I get cheery thinking about it. I mean, I, I can't come up with the words to to um, say how proud I am and just how much respect I have for them because it's not easy. Um, mm-hmm. And I mean, and, and then the next year I ran the New York City Marathon and I was in the porta potty and when they announced the winner, you know, <laughs> porta potty probably mile eleven or something. I don't even remember where I was, but you know. So again, I mean, just going back to your question, Carolyn, is just. You know, if you even make a chart of your times or, you know, keep a training log and see that you are making improvements because you will with consistent training and you may lose some weight and you may, you know, get faster. And so that alone is like a victory that you need to embrace. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. 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 Yep. Yep. Can so, I get an amen? <laughs> so, so that winds up another mother runner podcast, another, another mother runner podcast. Um, so look for us on Facebook at run like a mother, the book on our website, anothermotherrunner.com. Our joint Twitter account is at the mother runner. And please look for our fabulous books on amazon.com. They're run like a mother and train like a mother. And no matter what your speed, many happy miles. <laughs>